You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Professor Robert D'Agostino with Do Facts Matter? And I have my guest, uh, my son, Joseph D'Agostino. And we're going to talk a little bit about academia to begin the show. But before that, let's, let's set the, the stage. Uh, many years ago, when I was uh, actually in high school, I used to go down to Greenwich Village in New York. And there was a lot of political debating going on. And, uh, and there's the old communists and the new communists. The new left was just uh, coming into fashion. And the old left, uh, actually, uh, you could uh, debate with them. Uh, and the new left just wanted to shut you up. But in any case, one of the groups that I used to go to once in a while was a Maoist group. And they were really, really um, hoping for a Maoist revolution in the United States. They thought Mao Zedong uh, was just uh, the greatest uh, person on the face of the earth. And uh, they would speculate when that Maoist revolution would come. Well, if that group got together today, and they'd all be pretty old because I'm pretty old, uh, they would say, we're there. The Cultural Revolution has begun. The Maoist consult- Cultural Revolution has begun in this country. There's no question about it. It, it tracks the Cultural Revolution in, in China. Um, packs of young, some thugs, some genuine revolutionaries, whatever, r- roaming around, censoring, beating up, rioting, uh, people that I don't agree with, particularly the professors in those days. Actually, the professors really got the worst of it in a lot of the universities. And that brings us up to right now, because what is going on in the universities? And I will say, and we'll go over this a little bit later, that almost every university in this country or every college has adopted the American Association of University Professors' a Statement on Academic Freedom. Many schools have adopted Chicago's Statement on Freedom of Speech, and that includes uh, John Marshall uh, Law School here in Atlanta. Uh, despite all that, are professors being allowed to speak? Are scholars being allowed to publish their findings if they uh, disagree with the current PC orthodoxy? Joseph, what do you think? Unfortunately, I can barely hear you, so I I really have no idea what you said other than something about a Maoist uh, revolution. Well, I'm asking uh, what's going on, if you can hear me now, what's going on on uh, college campuses uh, with professors who who dissent from the current political correct orthodoxy? Right, so now there's a coordinated campaign uh, to purge uh, law professors and, and college professors and others from uh, universities and law schools around the country. So obviously this has been going on for decades. Uh, there are fewer conservatives um, in academia teaching as professors than there were 25 years ago. So there weren't that many 25 years ago. And over the past 25 years, they've gradually been squeezed out forced to resign, quit and discuss, or maybe just ended up uh, getting retired and then not replaced by another conservative. Now what we're seeing with the beginning of the Maoist cultural, cultural revolution going on in the country now in earnest, um, 
people are being purged from all sorts of positions of influence in society, government, media, sports, uh, entertainment, and this includes moderate liberals who don't uh, sign on to the more radical agenda. Just like with all revolutions, they purge their, their moderates uh, periodically, become more radical, and then radicalize further, and then purge the new you know, so-called moderates who were radical before, but now have become moderate. And so in the, just in the past week, there's been a big increase in activity where, uh, according to uh, Jeffrey Miller and, and other people uh, who are in academe, uh, just in the past week, the dozens of campaigns across the country have been launched against conservative professors to get them to uh, resign or be fired uh, during this summer of purging, or during the summer of purging where the you know, media revolution is going on within the editorial departments and, and news departments of everywhere from the New York Times uh, to the Intercept to the Washington Post. Uh, to, uh, to just about you know so many of these different local places. So this is now going on across the country where there seems to, it's, it must be coordinated a campaign to purge a lot of conservative professors, the remaining conservative professors from institutions um, that you probably never heard of, small colleges in various parts of the country, all the way to places like Cornell Law School. Yes, in fact, uh, let me... Uh, <clears throat> And, of course, there is a group that's fighting this called FIRE, the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, F-I-R-E, FIRE. And they have an interesting website where they list the 10 colleges or universities where free speech is uh, uh, under attack uh, in the highest levels. And uh, Harvard is one of them, by the way. Harvard is rated right up there as a a campus uh, which is hostile towards uh, free speech and free assembly. Let me read you the uh, Chicago Statement, and uh, at least excerpts from the Chicago Statement. Again, this was adopted uh, uh, by the Atlanta's John Marshall Law School. And this is, I'm quoting, Because the university is committed to free and open inquiry in all matters, It guarantees all members of the university community the broadest possible latitude to speak, write, listen, challenge, and learn. It is not the proper role of the university to attempt to shield individuals from ideas and opinions they find unwelcome, disagreeable, or even deeply offensive. Well, that's been adopted by a number of uh, uh, schools, obviously not all schools, and in the face of that, uh, is that prevailing today? Is, is are those kind of sentiments uh, on the ups, uh, uptick anywhere? What do you think, Joe? Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't hear what you said. No, I was just reading the. I'm sorry, I don't know what's going on with uh, with our sound thing here. By, I was just reading the. Uh, Excerpts from the Chicago Statement. Are you familiar with the Chicago? You're a University of Chicago graduate, so perhaps you uh, you're familiar with the uh, Chicago Statement on uh, free speech. Yes, the one that came out a few years ago. Yes, it's one right. of the better statements out there. That's right. Well, are other uh, universities uh, stampeding to adopt this? I'm afraid I don't think that's happened uh, very much in, in most places, not everywhere, but in the vast majority of places, the opposite has been occurring 
and continues uh, to occur now, uh, where free speech is uh, reinterpreted to not include speech uh, that challenges any of the narratives being promoted by the rich and powerful, you know, being, promote, being promoted by Wall Street banks, big corporations, the deep state, uh, other cultural elites through uh, activists uh, and institutions uh, that they control, they finance, or that they control through other means. So uh, what's going on, uh, of course, like all revolutions, this is a revolution promoted by the rich and powerful or by at least a large segment of the rich and powerful. No revolutions come from below, that's, uh, that's a myth. And this one obviously isn't, you know, it's, it's very clearly being promoted by uh, very powerful people in very senior positions. And free speech is being understood to not include hate speech. Uh, and of course, hate speech is anything that descends from the narrative. And we're getting actually uh, just very, very mild criticisms or even questions about Black Lives Matter or uh, the idea of systemic racism or transgenderism or anything else that they're choosing to promote right now are being met with people actually being fired. Uh, for actually making very mild criticism, that has become hate speech, right? Uh, very mild, very, uh, even, like I said, questioning. Uh, and they're actually, this is just part of it, they're going to transition soon, you can see they've already started this, silence is violence, right? So very soon, not explicitly endorsing what their agenda, not explicitly repeating their talking points and their ideological fervor, will be grounds for termination of your employment and you'll never be hired again, um, can be grounds for excluding people from uh, the internet, censoring them off of uh, social media. Uh, VDARE has got notice this week, it's even its a website is gonna come down. So even websites are gonna come down, not just social media. I expect in a year or two, there will be no conservatives left on the internet at all, other than establishment approved ones that don't really do anything like the Cato Institute or Heritage Foundation or something. So silence is violence. Soon we will be required in order to have a career, to, to, to talk on the internet, to join certain clubs, even to have a bank account because they have been excluding conservatives from bank accounts increasingly, have credit cards, etc. otherwise function in society, you will be required to explicitly endorse um, these things yourself. Silence will not be enough because silence is violence. Well, I think uh, that's going in that direction. I, I agree with you. Uh, did you read about that uh, one reporter, his last name was Fang, who's a left, leftist, writes for the Nation for, uh, magazine, among other places, and he was sharply criticized and forced to apologize for what he said? No, for what someone said he was interviewing. He was interviewing uh, one of the protesters, uh, a, 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 a young black man who was recounting his criticism of the um, rioters and recounting the fact that two of his cousins were murdered in his neighborhood and bemoaning that fact and the reporter was pilloried, attacked for daring to interview this guy. Right. This uh, Lee Fang, who's uh, been around for a while, is a very progressive left-wing uh, uh, reporter for The Intercept, he interviewed this young black man. This young black man um, gave some criticisms of Black Lives Matter and that whole way of thinking, and, and Fang didn't even endorse those views. He just included them in a video that he posted online. 
and was faced with denunciations, um, Maoist-style denunciations from his colleagues at The Intercept. He was forced to apologize. Wouldn't be surprised if he leaves The Intercept soon. None of his colleagues or former colleagues would defend him publicly. So that's part of it. But you see how the power and the strength of this is, is that uh, so few people speak out, right? Uh, his colleagues and former colleagues would not speak out publicly to defend him. He was being denounced by other people saying he made them you know, feel unsafe and all that. And of course, again, you see that the source of the criticisms also doesn't matter. You know, it's a young black man criticizing Black Lives Matter doesn't matter, right? They're taking Aunt Jemima off uh, the syrup, right? Her descendants are complaining. They say this is, you know, memory of our family. This is a positive portrayal of uh, black people. They don't like it. No one cares, right? Well, wait a minute. Aunt Jemima, Aunt Jemima was a model who was paid very, very well for speaking in favor of the syrup and being a, 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 a representative of the company, wasn't she? Uh, she was uh, paid to go around. I don't know how much she was paid, but yes, she was paid to go around. Um, this was 100 years ago. People complained. It was sort of a stereotypical minstrel style portrayal, uh, that sort of thing. Something that I think approximately uh, nobody knew about until you know, a couple of weeks ago. Um, the uh, you know, And all these other things are going on. For example, the man who invented the gator bait cheer, right, uh, for the University of Florida, I think, uh, he was a, he's a black man. He used to play, and he invented the cheer, and now they're getting rid of it because this is supposedly racist, but I can't figure out how. And he's complaining publicly that why are you taking away this cheer that I invented? He's a black man. But they don't care, right? They don't, they don't care about what ordinary black people think or what any black or any other person thinks who disagrees with their narrative. Right? Okay, we're up against and the hard break. Of, of course, the people who are making these decisions are white liberals. Oh, hold on, Joe. We're up against a, a, a break, and I want to consider why is this movement, Black Lives Matter, in the most <laughs> radical form, being funded by the major corporations who are, who are really di- indirectly funding the riots. We'll be right back. Want to give your family... Joe, uh, you're on a speakerphone, correct? Then go online and check. Yeah, it gets it's louder when I'm on speakerphone. I, so when I turn it off, I, I can I can hear even less. Okay, well you sound like you're in a cave, so, but that's fine, no problem. What? Nothing. You're okay. You'll love it, and you'll love having one in your shop. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. If your health insurance premium is more than your mortgage, Ellen Deal with Ideal Solutions is here to help. Whether you're a small business owner, individual family, or baby boomer, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com, and I'll respond with three easy questions to help you determine if you can get away from Obamacare. As a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry, I'm here to help with all your insurance needs. Email Ellen Deal at MAGA45CAG at gmail.com. This is Daryl Pullis inviting you to listen to America's Homegrown Veggie Show right here every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern Time. Great guests, great tips, and valuable information about growing your own vegetables, fruits, and herbs. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Professor Robert D'Agostino back with Do Facts Matter. 
and uh, I have my son Joseph D'Agostino uh, on the phone, who, by the way, is a graduate of University of Chicago, and we had just read excerpts from the University of Chicago statement on free speech. And as professors, we both were subject to uh, the uh, American um, Statement of Principles on, on academic freedom from AAUP, American Association of University Professors, which presumably protects professors in their, um, uh, in their ideas, views, and discussions, as long as they're appropriate to the class they're teaching. And uh, that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. Uh, you, uh, you run afoul of uh, the PC crowd. Uh, getting back to my question, but before I do, um, there's a wonderful little uh, 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 phrase called, I think it's called Zerk Rush. Joe, are you there? I'm here. I can't understand what you're saying, unfortunately. Well, I, I was talking about a, a, the uh, uh, a phrase called Zerk Rush. You know, when, sorry, when, when pygmies, when, when, when intellectual pygmies uh, or uh, weak uh, entities attack a strong entity, they swarm. They swarm. And so that's what we're getting. We're getting the, the college uh, faculty pygmies attacking the scholars, the real scholars who really do the, the, the uh, heavy-duty work of real research. And I think we're seeing well, I, I very much disagree, okay? Um, okay. The left uh, portrays itself as these powerless victims who are trying to defend themselves. But the opposite is true. Um, they control the administrations of almost all the universities in this country. They control the uh, professional associations. They edit the premier scholarly uh, publications. Uh, they control the academic book publishers, just as they control the normal book publishers, and they control Hollywood, and they control most of the corporations and 80% of the media. So the people swarming, uh, although they usually are very much of an inferior type, and these sort of people, they uh, very often are mentally ill or otherwise deranged, and it's not very obvious. Uh, they're actually being directed and controlled by very powerful people who are in charge. So I think it's very deceptive. Uh, to look at it as sort of a bunch of weak people attacking strong people. I think it is the very strongest people using weak people to attack some strong people to eliminate those strong people, right? But it is, of course, the strongest people uh, who make the decisions. Uh, these, uh, these pygmies cannot fire uh, the professors, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, uh, millennial staffers of the New York Times did not get the editorial page editor fired. He was fired by the editor in chief of the New York Times. Those are the ones who are making decisions. Those are the ones who are, uh, doing the purges, not the weak people. The weak people don't have the power to do that. Well, I, 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 I meant to intellectually inferior folks who were attacking uh, the serious-minded uh, professors, and of course they're backed by, by the establishment. Let's get back to the question I asked. Why are the major corporations funding this, like Pepsi, uh, PepsiCo and, and Nike? They're, they're funding the, the riots, essentially. Why are they doing that? Because it's in their interest. Um, they're in, it's in their interest in, in two senses. Uh, first of all, uh, just like with the virus panic uh, response, um, a lot of this is destroying small business. It's destroying people who aren't part of the sort of the corporatist agenda. 
uh, thus enabling uh, cor- big corporations to have even more money and power, right? So any kind of uh, independent thought, any kind of independent person who's like financially independent, independently wealthy, or have their own you know small business, uh, decreases or counterbalances the power of giant corporations, who of course are almost all of them are in league with big government. It's all one big club, right? Uh, and they want to control uh, more and more. Uh, and they want to get more and more money. So this is sort of part of the agenda of controlling everything from Washington, D.C. and, and, and uh, New York City. Um, it's also a cheap way to, to, for them to virtue signal, you know, changing the box of Aunt Jemima or the bottles of Aunt Jemima is a cheap way to pretend to care about black people. In the meantime, real inner city black people continue to suffer just as much because changing that image is not going to help them. So on and so forth, but there's a deeper agenda here, and this is what a lot of conservatives have trouble understanding. And this is one reason why conservatives fail, because they don't understand the world well. Uh, they have a materialist conception; they do not have a spiritual conception of the world. Uh, they accept what people in power say at face value, even though they also conservatives also know they're fraudulent liars, but still continue to believe what they say, whether it's Donald Trump or a corporate executive or Anthony Fauci. You know, these people are all frauds and liars. The conservatives continue to believe what they say. Uh, the real agenda of these people, and that includes the people who control the corporations, is to destroy Western civilization, what's left of, uh, what's left of Christendom, and create a new society, a new communist or Maoist or totalitarian or Orwellian society, whatever you like to call it, in which they have total control over everything, Right. That is their goal. That's what these people are after. They want to destroy all opposition, have total control over everything, uh, and impose their idea of society, their idea of the way men uh, and women should be, uh, and they're the ones who are going to control it, like all left-wing societies in the history of the world, all truly left-wing societies, is a tiny elite at the top, and everyone else is a slave, and that's what they want. Well, it would seem that uh, they're well on the way to at least creating the uh, United States as a third world country, uh, a, a ruling elite uh, uh, ruling over a bunch of uh, peasants who are completely dependent on the largesse of the government. But I don't see uh, necessarily how that uh, translates into great wealth. I guess it does translate into great wealth for, for a few that... T- top thousand, the top 400, whatever you want to call it. So two points on that. First of all, people need to understand, and conservatives in particular have a problem with this, because conservatives like money more than power, okay? Conservatives like money more than they like power. Leftists prefer power to money. It's more important for them to have power to money than than have money. Leftists uh, are happy to sacrifice wealth including their own wealth, that it means they will get more power, okay? So that's the first thing. These people are after destruction. They're after, actually, they're after more after destruction more than anything else because they hate everyone, including themselves, right? Uh, you can just think about Hillary Clinton, for example. So they hate everyone, including themselves. So they really want destruction, and they want the power in order to destroy. But these sorts of people, you know, people like Stalin, Lenin, Mao, right? These Pol Pot, these people are not motivated primarily by money. These people are motivated by something else, you know, things like power. So they're perfectly willing to trade the wealth for power. The second thing is the huge amounts of wealth that these people have is actually notional, right? It's just money. It's just numbers in a computer. 
Jeff Bezos has a, uh, is worth $100 billion. What does that really translate into? I mean, he, he can't, there's, there's no way all these different billionaires could like cash out their billions and spend it on something, right? The, the money is sort of fictional. The, the money, the numbers in the computer, really what they do is they represent control. Money is a form of power, in fact, right? That's all money is, is actually a form of power. And so, let's put it this way. If Jeff Bezos, assuming he's as power hungry as most of them, which he seems to be, he owns the Washington Post as well as uh, the founding founder of Amazon. Let's say, if he can have $100 billion, but that's only 5% of a country's wealth, he'd rather have $1 billion, right? Which is only 1% of, of, of $100 billion, right? He'd, rather, he'd, he'd prefer to lose 99% of his wealth if his share of the wealth of the country goes from 5% to 10%, right? Because that would give him more power. He may lose more wealth of, in an objective sense, but his power has increased. And since, of course, there really is no difference between having a billion dollars, a hundred billion dollars, practical matter, except for the power that it gives you, he actually doesn't even lose 95% of his wealth anyway. Not in a real sense. Well, I, I, I think uh, I think you make a good, a very good point there. And uh, we'll, and I look at California for an example of a state that is being divided between what is effectively a peasantry and uh, and the affluent with the middle class being squeezed out constantly, uh, inviting out of the state. Uh, It's just quite amazing. But of course, there was an uh, interesting little uh, article by um, Victor David Hansen, Professor Victor David Hansen, who talked about how these left-wing mobs, these left-wing movements, uh, end up devouring their own. As you said in the beginning, you're never radical enough. And as soon as you're... Right, they devour you if you don't keep up with the, the new fashions that sometimes become more radical with each passing week or sometimes each passing day, right? If you don't keep up, if you say, you know, uh, these are my principles, I want to stick to them, you're going to get your head chopped off, just like during the French Revolution. Right? All these revolutions do this, right? They start out, sometimes they even start out with relatively reasonable demands, and over time, they become more and more radical because that is the driving force, and that's what the people at the very top really want. And just as the French Revolution killed, you know, all, all kinds of its uh, stars, you know, Danton, Saint-Just, etc., uh, eventually Robespierre, even right, uh, because they weren't sufficiently radical. And of course, sometimes it's just due to personal rivalries and, and things like that. Um, this revolution is doing the same thing. Many um, moderate cons- uh, liberals, excuse me, many moderate liberals or even progressives that were perfectly acceptable and their views are perfectly acceptable just a few months ago have now been purged for not keeping up with the increasingly radical demands of Antifa and Black Lives Matter and other people associated with, uh, with those movements and organizations. Uh, so yes, what you're going to see is uh, liberals and leftists uh, become more and more radical in order to save their careers and save their financial lives and save their social lives and not be censored from the internet, etc. In order to keep up with the rad, you know, the the the, the vanguard, uh, they're going to become more and more radical. And of course, if they don't, they'll simply be purged, like conservatives are being purged. Well, of course, uh, uh, going back to the, the campuses, I'm because uh, John Marshall Law School will will uh, resume in the middle of August. Uh, we have adopted the Chicago Statement, 
Uh, we do have a interesting faculty in that it's more varied in terms of the ideas and philosophy than most law schools. I can remember the time when I was the uh, head of law deans and professors for Ronald Reagan in 1980, and I was told to find me a, a Reagan supporter at every law school. And let me tell you, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I still remember the... the uh, conversation I had with Professor DeVito, who was a professor of mine when I went to law school at Emory, and he had gone, uh, left Emory uh, uh, and to go to Golden Gate. Uh, and uh, he was, at Emory, he was considered, uh, you know, way left. I would, took a civil rights seminar with him, and uh, my view of him was, uh, and I used to tell him that uh, he's a, a knee-jerk liberal. And uh, anyway, he, uh, he and I got friendly, and we, he went to uh, Golden Gate. So I called him up and I said, look, I'm a head of law deans and professors for Reagan. Uh, I, I know you're not a conservative, but uh, I need a name of a conservative faculty member at Golden Gate Law School. He said, he said to me, no, 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 I am the conservative. I said, what? He said, yes, they all consider me a conservative because I'm a McGovern liberal and that makes me a conservative on this faculty. And uh, I think as you point out, after things getting a little better for a while, they've gotten worse. Uh, now, go back to our law school. I can identify at our law school probably three other professors who are conservative and maybe a fourth one who actually votes Republican, kind of a, a rhino, and votes Republican on, the, uh, on defense issues, particularly defense of Israel issues. Uh, but the rest of the faculty is certainly not. Uh, conservative, and the question is, we now have a dean that's uh, also on the left, and it's going to be very interesting to see what happens uh, at uh, at, at uh, John Marshall because our student body is thirty-five to forty percent minority, and most of that minority are, are African Americans, uh, and historically, John Marshall's been pretty mellow politically, pretty tolerant, pretty mellow. Uh, we've had uh, well one simple approach that they use and that they've been using, although they're now accelerating things. Is something when conservative professors retire, they don't get replaced. And very, very, there are very few junior um, tenure track uh, professors around the country who are now conservative, except at the very few schools that are very aggressive, you know, aggressively conservative themselves. There's a handful of libertarians, but almost no conservative Christians. Well, that's right. Uh, that's quite true. I remember there was a dispute at Harvard about that when uh, they were talking about making a more diversified faculty, and one of the professors, well-known professors, said, well, we need to hire an evangelical Christian. Get that point of view. Well, that didn't meet any particular uh, positive response. Or as the member of the faculty said, well, you guys' idea of the diversity is everybody looks different but thinks the same. And that's quite true, unfortunately. Um, well, can the professors withstand this onslaught? I mean, I, there was one professor fired recently who um, posted a joke and it was an innocuous joke about um, uh, you know, bombing 52 uh, uh, cultural uh, uh, sites in the United States, like the Kardashian residence and the 
some mall and things of that sort. I mean, it was a joke. And, oh, I was violent. And he was fired. Well, the uh, Catholic chaplain at MIT was just fired for suggesting that there was no proof that George Floyd was killed for was killed out of racist motives. Well, I think that's uh, true. I, I want to. I'll address that too because I had an interesting reaction to that when I first saw it. Uh, we're up against the break. We'll be right back. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Live closer to your food source. Learn how to grow it yourself. Please join me every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern on America's Homegrown Veggie Show for tips and advice from the country's best gardeners. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Professor Robert D'Agostino back with Do Facts Matter. And we're talking with my son, Joseph D'Agostino, who actually was a professor at the Savannah Law School while that was in existence. And I'm still a professor, of course, at Atlanta's John Marshall Law School, uh, at least for now. I don't know. I'm a conservative. May may decide to try and purge me. Oh, well, I'm tenured and I'm old. And they figure they make it, you know, uh, uh, wait me out. How many more years could I go, right? Uh, anyway, uh, getting back to this Floyd thing... It, when I first saw that tape, and I, I agree with that uh, priest who, who, or chaplain who, who got fired, uh, I, I, I don't know that there was a particular racial uh, factor in that. Because what happened, if you watch the tape, and this is what my reaction was, the, the policeman, Chauvin, uh, uh, he moved his knee to double down. And my reaction to that was, this is malice. This was sheer malice, I, and that's why I think they raised the um, the charge to second degree murder because they looked at that tape carefully, and they decided that he wanted to double down on this guy. Uh, I think what happened in Georgia, Brunswick, uh, jogging while black, there definitely was a racial uh, factor involved in that, for sure. But I, I, I think it was. There's some personal malice, and of course, later came out that they knew each other, they had worked at the same place. But that was uh, very interesting because I noticed the movement of that knee and, uh, by the policeman 
which indicates to me he was doubling down on what he was doing, even though it was obvious the guy was subdued at the time. So I found that kind of interesting. Um, but uh, obviously the Audrey, Aubrey thing in Brunswick does have a racial uh, racial connotations. I doubt very much if uh, if he were white, he would have been stopped. Uh, I, I'm not saying that the, it's not a more complex issue than just that, but uh, definitely a, a part of a racial issue there. Uh, well, what 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 do we do? Is there anything that we do? Is there anything that we in the future? I mean, uh, uh, Victor David Hansen said the, the left will start devouring itself. How fast? And what's going to happen? We got 140 days, and I don't. You, I, you and I don't agree about Trump. I think Trump is genuinely trying to uh, to, to rescue this country from the left, uh, rescue this country from control by the ultra rich, because they hate him. I mean, they, they hate him for a reason, and uh, and and they oppose him for a reason. So I think uh, sometimes you're known by your enemies, and he certainly has them. But in any case. What can we do? What's going to happen? Is, is, is this stoppable in the near future? Is this stoppable in the long-term future? Of course, prof- prophecies are always uh, dangerous. But what about from now until the election? Are we going to have a, uh, an election where the uh, radical left uh, takes over everything uh, and goes merrily on their way purging professors, academics who don't agree with them or who do research that doesn't find the answer that they want, which is what's happened to a number of professors they do research and they get a different answer. Uh, what's that one professor who got an answer about transsexuals being unhappy? Uh, the long, further they are from, from the time they either had a sex change operation or had hormonal treatments, they, they, most of them eventually re- regret it. They, 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 they think they made a mistake. A lot of them think they, they could go back, they'd go back. But if they had the sex change operation, it makes it difficult. Although there was one person on the internet who said he had a sex change operation, and he went back. He had another sex change operation. He he, he regretted he couldn't have children, but he he, he made a big big mistake going from male to female. Uh, so what uh, what is the long, what is the short term future hold? Let's just talk about the short term because no one knows what the long term future holds. I don't think, Joe. Short-term future? Well, uh, I think the short-term future is very negative. Um, I see no reason why they're not going to continue to purge people and become more and more radical and do more and more extreme things and to see the violence uh, gradually escalate, the disorder gradually escalate. Obviously, we have a bad economy now. Um, they're not letting go of the virus hoax, so they're going to uh, you know, uh, keep uh, interrupting business and travel and, and uh, education and so on to break down society so they can then rebuild it uh, in their own image as the free, the free Masonic motto, right? Dissolve and re- rebuild. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think it is very negative uh, because they control uh, all the major institutions, right? They control uh, the, you know, 80% of the media, they control Hollywood, they control most of the churches, they control this, that, and the other thing, right? The deep state, obviously, Wall Street, so I think it is very negative. I assume Trump will continue to do what he's done so far, which is nothing except talk and sort of temper tantrums uh, on Twitter and so on. So I think he's uh, completely useless. So I think we have to keep in mind that uh, the short term is going to be negative. 
Uh, and, and also keep in mind, you know, we're, we're sort of focusing on a small slice. Academia is a very small slice. People are being purged all over the country from ordinary jobs for expressing wrong opinions about Black Lives Matter and Antifa and so on. I got this thing I just saw here about a lesbian artist, a famous lesbian artist, uh, who has been fired because she was following the wrong people on Twitter. She was following Mike Cernovich, Jack Posobiec, and Infowars on Twitter. She's been fired for that. She didn't even say anything. She was following the wrong people on Twitter. So this is happening uh, all over the country, people being purged, particularly from any jobs that have cultural influence, right? Um, so this is going to continue to get worse, continue to get radical. The left will not eat itself, uh, or if you can say it can eat itself, it will just get stronger uh, by dining on itself and get more radical. Um, because it is, uh, like all revolutions, whether the, uh, you know, the one in Russia, the one in France, the one everywhere else, it is supported at the very highest levels by the very richest and most powerful people in the land. Long term, this, the only solution is uh, separation. The only solution is to get away from these people. Uh, these people are dedicated to evil, they're dedicated to destruction, there's no reasoning with them, uh, there is no uh, comp reasonable compromise that can be made, they will not be satisfied until there is a Maoist cultural revolution in which uh, millions of people die, millions more, tens of millions more from concentration camps, everything is destroyed, particularly Christianity. Well, yeah, I mean, that's pretty obvious they, they, that they're out to destroy Christianity. This country has become, at the highest levels, anti-Christian, not post-Christian. But let me get, let's go back to a point you made about the left's control of all these institutions. How does that jibe with the concept of systemic racism? Does that mean that all our lefties who control the universities, control Hollywood, control Wall Street, all these big lefties who are financing, in a sense, financing the rioting, this is systemic racism? How is that systemic racism? Well, that is part of the proof of the falsity and bad faith of this movement and of these riots and so on. Uh, the people who are in charge are the people, the very people who are virtue signaling uh, about this, and the very people responsible for the supposed, uh, the supposed systemic racism, right? Uh, Minneapolis, you know, it's had a Democratic mayor for decades. The uh, governor of Minnesota is a Democrat. The Democratic Party has dominated the state of Minnesota for decades, just as it's dominated uh, the politics of um, most large cities. And uh, yet, you never hear about how uh, well, the liberal Democrats are responsible for the systemic racism that's supposedly killing black people, you know, to the police. And, and uh, you know, Joe Biden, who just got the nomination for, uh, for president for the Democrats, or is about to, he was, you know, law and order and in favor of locking people up, putting them in prison, so on and so forth. And so the obvious falsity here is that the people in charge are the people are not being blamed for the supposed policies of systemic racism that's so supposedly damaging, right? Uh, and that also shows you who's really controlling, you know, all of this. Uh, so uh, the systemic racism is, is this sort of vague demonic force or witchcraft out there. You see how people don't really change, right? So in the past, people will blame demons or witches for bad things happening, right? Now they'll blame white privilege, they'll blame systemic racism, um, and so on and so forth. But uh, they don't blame specific people who are actually in charge if those people are a member of the political party that they like, right? In which, in the, in the case of the policing of cities with large black populations, that person is and has been, at least for decades, if not longer, 
a Democrat, right? Uh, so, like I say, the only solution, the only eventual solution, long-term solution, is separation, getting away from these people, breaking America up into separate countries, something like that. Well, that was predicted some years ago. I read an article, uh, maybe in 20, 25 years ago, that I read this article uh, about uh, the coming uh, uh, separation of America into four or five different countries. I'll uh, tell you what uh, I remember of that article uh, right after the break. Obamacare is failing, but in order to get back on the right track with health policy, people need to be informed. Obamacarewatch.org is your resource to understand what's happening with this law and what you can do to stay active, stay informed, and make positive change happen. Obamacarewatch.org. Visit us now. Hi, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schurz, as we talk about the topics that doctors talk about amongst themselves, such as Medicare, Obamacare, alternative forms of care, and health information technology. Join us every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Professor Robert D'Agostino back with you, Facts Matter. And I'm with my son, Joseph D'Agostino. Both of us, uh, well, I'm an, still an academic, and Joseph uh, recently uh, was an academic. He's a fan of law school, which is uh, now uh, now closed. Um, and we're, we're talking about uh, what, what's going on in the near future, what's going to go on uh, uh, solutions. And uh, some years ago, I read this article, I, I must, I, maybe 25 years ago. It was quite some time ago. I think it was even before before Reagan became president, so maybe 30 years ago, 40 years ago, about the United States splitting into five different countries, four or five different countries. And and this author talked about the different in interests of the empty quarter, empty quarter including places like Idaho and uh, sparsely populated uh, western states, Montana, uh, and uh, talked about the... uh, uh, the traditional South, which nowadays is not so traditional because you've got so many people who, who have come uh, South from other areas, and so the old traditional uh, Christian South is, is no longer there, and, and, and in some ways, of course, it's, it's a plus, not, that it's not, not, not the, the, the weakening of Christianity, but the weakening of, of racial animosity. Uh, you know, I, I talk to my students, some of my students, and I have a, you know, over the years, we've had a lot of uh, black students, African-American students, and many of them have come down from the north. And I say, uh, where are you from? Oh, my family was from Chicago. My family was Detroit. My family was New York, New Jersey, whatever it was. And I said, well, yeah, why'd they come down here? Oh, the opportunity. They came down here opportunities. And I say, mm, oh, yeah, well, uh, how do you vote down here? Oh, well, we're Democrats. I said, so you fled a bunch of Democrat-controlled areas to come down here and you vote Democrats so you want the opportunities down here to be just as bad as they were in Detroit as you elect the same types of people to, to political office. And yet they haven't thought about that. And they really haven't thought about that, which is uh, really amazing. Because uh, 
I find that uh, a lot of my students, especially the African Americans or black students, many of them have strong Christian values, uh, yet they don't connect the Democrat Party with the anti-Christian sentiments in this country. Uh, but uh, maybe someday they will, and maybe they'll save Trump. Now, you and I disagree about Trump. I think Trump has done a, 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 a good job under the circumstances, and I think he's really trying to keep things together. I, I must say he's not getting any help recently from the Supreme Court, but uh, the Supreme Court is determined to continue their legislative role in, in, the, uh, in society, and uh, someday maybe we'll have a majority of judges who think they ought to be judges and not legislators. But uh, that may be too much to ask for. Um, anyway, I, I don't see the divisions that were fairly sharp when I read this article 40 years ago. You know, the coastal empire and uh, uh, New England and the traditional south and the empty quarter. Uh, things are a little bit more mixed up. Uh, look at Arizona. Uh, people flee California and they go to Arizona and now are turning Arizona into California and with their voting. Uh, the left has pretty much taken over Colorado uh, and uh, uh, many, many of the, the multimillionaires, billionaires, uh, Democrats have, have really put a lot of money into taking over Colorado and now they're doing it in Arizona. If the election were held today, we would lose, the Republicans would lose the Colorado Senate seat and the Arizona Senate seat. We'd lose both of them, and we'd lose both of them by big margins. Uh, so I don't see that happening the way at least this was envisioned by this author many years ago. How do you see if the country decided to break up? How does it break up? How does it break up? So, yes, it is... Uh long past possible to divide the country up neatly geographically. So what would have to happen would have to be something like the partitioning of India uh, and so on, where uh, there's going to be massive population transfer. I'm yeah. not advocating breaking up the country or massive population transfer. I'm just saying if this were to happen, and needless to say events are far beyond my control, uh, this is what would have to happen. You would have to have segments of the country designated for uh, Christians. This is for serious Christians. You know, Bible-believing Christians, they're going to live here. And anyone who wanted to live there would have to move. And anyone who didn't want to live there would have to move out. Right? Uh, we're going to, this is going to be the socialist states of America over here. And anyone who wanted that would move. Anyone who didn't like it there would have to move to Christian America or something like that. Um, maybe black nationalists want their own part of the country. I'm not really sure you know, what they want. Right? Um, maybe part of the country would go back to, to Mexico uh, in the uh, southwest, right? Uh, but the fact is, um, we have a very large faction in this country that is absolutely determined to have a totalitarian Orwellian communist state. And they will not stop until they get it. And the only solution is to get away from them. Moving overseas is a possibility. Uh, the other possibility is to separate somehow. You know, people can move to different parts of the country that are more conservative, less hostile, and all that. But the long run, it will take a political separation. Of course, there can be an alternative to somehow take over the government and uh, suppress these communists. But I think we've, we've seen the conservative movement be a total 100% failure. Uh, we have seen the demographic changes that are going to give Democrats a lot uh, on the electoral votes for the next uh, few years, uh, in the next few years, maybe as soon as this year. 
And the Democrats will use power to make sure that their rule is permanent, and then the, the communists can take over that way. Uh, that's just the future we're facing. So um, separation, really, just like in your personal life, there's some people you just have to stay away from. There's some people who just don't like you, right? Uh, and usually the best solution to people who just don't like you or hate you is just not to have anything to do with them, right? Not spend any time around them, not talk to them, etc. Um, and that politically uh, is what is going to need that to, to happen so that Christians can, can continue to practice their, their faith, so that conservatives can have free speech and have careers, even have bank accounts, um, so on and so forth. Because these people, just as in so many countries before, whether it's Russia, China, Vietnam, Cuba, France back in the day, England in the 17th century, the English Civil War, uh, you know, Nazi Germany, right? They're all the same. They're not going to stop until they totally crush all opposition and force everyone to conform. And so, you know, if you don't want to conform, you're going to have to fight for your space or fight to take over America away from those people. But I think the latter fight is much more difficult to win. Well, I mean, that's a pessimistic view uh, of the future. But, of course, um, that's not just your view. We, we, we saw we saw books like 1984, Brave New World, Animal Farm, Fahrenheit 454. All of those um, books were, were in their own ways prophecies, and uh, we seem to be there. I mean, uh, Fahrenheit 454 was book burning, right? We got book burning going on constantly. Either it's a, a actual book burning, uh, ripping out uh, uh, Huckleberry Finn uh, uh, from libraries, or it's um, by via censorship. Uh, it's just uh, quite interesting. By the way, uh, I think I, when I sent you an email, I asked you about a certain book uh, behind the what was it called? Behind the veil or behind the curtain? I should say. And uh, have you seen? Have you read that book or know anything about it? No, I haven't read it. It uh, supposedly details the network of the far left billionaires who fund so much of this noxious activism and violence. Uh, people like George Soros, but I haven't read this book. Well, interestingly enough, uh, I had uh, I think I mentioned this on the show before. I'd done a little uh, study of the the ultra rich in this country, the the top. 10, 12 ultra-rich people in this country, people with multiple billions of dollars worth of assets, uh, some, like you said, notational, just uh, stock certificates, but uh, virtually all of them are Democrats. Every, uh, I went through one list of 10, and 9 out of 10 were Democrats, uh, including the top, four, uh, 4 out of the top 5. I think Sheldon Adelson was the only Republican in the, in the top, top, top group. Um, but uh, it's, um, it, and it's but if you ask a typical American who represents the wealthy, who are they going to say? They say the Republicans, which is nonsense. The Democratic Party is totally controlled by the ultra-rich. Uh, the, the, the wealthiest congressional districts in the country are represented by Democrats. So I don't, uh, you know, it, it, this is public. You don't have to take my word for it. Just look it up. There is a lot of information on the Internet that is usable, a uh, lot that's nonsense, but you can look up, you know, the Census Bureau uh, 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 analysis of, of, of income, of wealth, and what have you, uh, and it's, uh, it's very interesting. But, of course, California, it may be the future. It's uh, the wealthy, the affluent, and the wealthy 
and their servants. And if you go to rural California, I'm told by people who've been to rural California, it's looking more and more like third world country with uh, uh, broken down homes, old refrigerators in the front yard, the whole thing. And uh, how long till California collapses? I don't know. I don't know, but financially, I don't see they can keep going. But we'll see. Um, obviously, if the Democrats get in power, they will bail out the Democratic states. They'll bail out California. They'll bail out Illinois. They'll bail out. Well, New that's going to happen regardless because it has to happen. Uh, they'll be the government will spend trillions more bailing out people, but also bailing out the states. There's no alternative, and it doesn't matter which party is in power. So I don't think my vision has to necessarily be pessimistic because it's also a vision of creating a society, a Christian society or whatever society you can get enough people for on this continent that can be very positive and get away from the decadence and a now extreme decadence and sort of tyranny that we've been having in this country for decades, right? Uh, because we are sliding towards third world economic conditions, just as we're sliding towards the Orwellian political, social, cultural conditions. But it's going to take a fight. It's going to. It's not going to just happen. Um, but it's going to take real effort, real rethinking. So in that sense, uh, it's very negative. It's going to take a lot of effort. It's going to be dangerous, and so on and so forth. But on the other hand, it's an opportunity to create create something uh, really great, really wonderful, and that could last for a long time. Not forever. Nothing on this earth lasts forever, but for a long time. In other words, the uh, United States does not have to become Oceania, right? No, it's, it's a matter of human choice, right? There's no inevitability of an Orwellian state. There's no inevitability of Maoism, or there's no inevitability that we become like the third world. Uh, it's a product of human choice, and in particular, uh, conservatives, Christians, and others who don't like the way things are going can choose to get together uh, and do something else and separate from those who don't. I think we, we need very much to give up on the idea that we're going to somehow convince communists, progressives, and liberals to change. Very few of them are ever going to change. This is the way they are. This is what they believe in. This is what they do. Uh, and the, the solution is to simply have nothing further to do with them. That is the solution. And to live with like-minded people who don't hate you. I mean, that is that is the solution. And then they can go off and live the way they want to without being uh, interfered with by us. Well, that sounds like an uh, interesting solution. It may happen. It may very well happen. That's the end of the show. Thank you very much, Joseph. And I still disagree with you about Trump, but I'm signing off. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.